Although we've read this first half of chapter 32, most of our focus will come to rest on the the second part of the chapter. But let's remember quickly where this all fits in to the story of Jacob. Twenty or more years ago, he fled from his own home uh, to go and live with his father-in-law, or the man who became his father-in-law in in a far-off country. And despite many struggles that he had had, he, he finally prospered there. But as we saw a couple of weeks ago when Sam helped us think about chapter 31, uh, the relationships with Laban and Laban's uh, sons in particular broke down and that family became resentful of Jacob. So he knew that if he didn't want a life of strife or potentially even violence, then he'd have to leave. So he sensed God calling him to go home. And that's uh, exactly what he did. Then he gathered his two wives, all his kids, his servants rounded up the flocks and the herds and they packed up all the possessions. Uh, And they set off for home. This is a big deal. Jacob is going home, the place that he'd left as a young man. And, And he knows that he can't just charge ahead. He knows he has to make some preparations for this homecoming. So he sends some servants on ahead to to meet his brother Esau. Tell him I'm on my way and that I come in peace. That's the, the basic gist of it. And it's a pretty terrifying response. When the messengers come back, they tell Jacob, we went to your brother Esau. He is coming to meet you. That all looks quite good until we discover that he has 400 men with them, and they're not a welcome party. They're not coming to, to, to get the, the barbecue lit and to get... This is a, a difficult, difficult moment for Jacob. His worst fears are being realized. And he reacts immediately to the news. He splits his party in two. Um, if... Esau catches one half of my family, at least the other half can survive. That's kind of the theory. And he makes other practical arrangements. Uh, 550 animals I counted. Um, He sends them all ahead as a gift to Esau. And he's hoping that these gifts will keep his brother sweet. They'll avoid a, a massacre. And then he prayed. And it's a great prayer does a lot of things in a few short sentences. He recognizes God's role in his family, in the life of his father and of his grandfather. He recognizes God's kindness to him at the time when he was with Laban. He remembers God's promises to him. And he calls out for God to save him. It's a great prayer. If that's any indicator of what's going on in Jacob's heart, then he's in a good place. He's trusting God. After he made all these arrangements, he he got his nearest and dearest safely across the river, the the Jabbok. And we discover that he spends the night alone there. And in Jacob's mind, this is the night before the day after. He is about to encounter or experience the climactic day of his entire life. All his life, he's been wrestling with Esau. 
It happened before he was born. You remember right back at the start of the Jacob story, chapter 25, we're told that these two twins wrestled in their mother's womb. As they grew up, they, they wrestled. Jacob wrestled with Esau, trying to, to get his father's love, trying to get the inheritance, the family blessing. His dad constantly favored Esau over him. Can you think of anything more wounding to a son than to be told, sorry, it's the other son whom I love? He sat by the river in the darkness, watches the moonlight shimmer on the flowing water, and surely his mind's going back to those events those, those events that caused him to have to flee his home. He's remembering how he disguised himself, how he approached his blind father, how he fooled him for just about long enough to get a blessing. That was the reason he had to leave home. Why did he do all that? Why did Jacob steal Esau's blessing? Think about it for a second. There's no way he was going to get away with that. It was never actually going to work. Esau was always going to come home from the field with the meal that he'd made for his dad. Jacob's cover would be blown almost as soon as he'd completed his deception. Jacob was never actually going to get the family wealth. What was it? That, what was in it for him? Why did he do this? It seems to me that Jacob did this because even if it was going to be under false pretenses. He wanted to hear his dad say just once, you're my son, and I love you more than anyone else. Jacob wanted that for the same reason that you want it, and I want it. Because there's nothing we want more than the blessing of those closest to us. The love and the admiration of the people whom we love most. Nothing compares to that. We are all looking for it in our, in our parents, in our spouses, in our peers. Jacob's life had, had been one long wrestling match to get this kind of blessing. He wrestled with with Esau so that he could have the blessing from his father's lips. He wrestled with Laban so that he could get some sort of blessing on the the face of, of Laban's beautiful daughter, Rachel. But it hadn't worked. He was still needy and empty inside. And he was surrounded now by all kinds of difficult relationships in his family. If you remember his his idolatry of Rachel poisoned Leah and her children. This was going to have serious consequences in the future. And now at this moment, he knows that Esau is on his way with 400 men. This man who had kept him from his father's love, from his inheritance, from his happiness, Esau who had sworn to kill him was coming with an army. So Jacob's here And on this night, it's the night before his last battle. It's not surprising that he can't sleep or doesn't want to sleep 
It's not surprising that he wants to be alone, that he wants to prepare for what lies ahead. But that night, in the deep darkness, as he's bracing himself for Esau's attack, he's attacked by someone else. Let's read about that, verse 24. After he had sent his family away across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what's what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with man and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there and then. So Jacob named the place Peniel. It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Who was wrestling in the dark with Jacob. The narrator doesn't tell us, not in his own words. Six times he talks about a man or the man. It's as though he's deliberately trying to hide the identity of the person. But on the other hand, he gives us a couple of clues. The first clue, there's a powerful touch, verse 25. The the Hebrew translated here as touch is literally the, the lightest contact or touch you can make in a person. I remember when I was a wee fella, I had a brother a year older than me, and I used to, if we were getting at each other, I'd say, I could beat you up with my little finger. You know, I don't need a hand or an arm. My finger will do. There's a little bit of that going on here. It's the lightest touch, and a hip is wrenched out of place. It's clear that this wrestler's strong, seems to be holding back so as not to kill Jacob. He has enormous superhuman strength. And there's a second clue regarding the identity of this stranger. Verse 26, he says to Jacob, let me go before it's daybreak. Why? Well, God's word teaches that nobody can look on the face of God and live Jacob soon realizes that it's for precisely this reason that the stranger wants to be gone before the sun comes up and light is cast on his face. This is for Jacob's own good. Jacob had seen something of God in the the darkness. He says in verse 30, I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. So so maybe, just maybe in the the first light of dawn, he's he's made out the, the contours 
of his divine wrestler's face just before he's vanished. If, if he had seen God's face in the full light of day, it would have been more than he could bear. Jacob knows after this interaction who it is that he's wrestled with. God himself. And when he realized this, and when he saw that the sun was about to come up and that God was about to go, he does the most incredible thing. To this wrestler who's already injured him with just the lightest touch, instead of getting up and and running as fast as he can, he does the opposite. He clings to this wrestler with the superhuman strength. And he says, no, I won't let you go. Not until you bless me. Do you see what Jacob's saying here in this climactic moment in his life? He says, what an idiot I've been all my life. All my life I've been looking for the blessing I needed. I looked for it in the approval of my father. I looked for it in the beauty of Rachel. But now finally I see it. It's right here before me. The blessing I need is all in you. And now I won't let go. Not until you bless me. Because nothing else matters. I don't care if I die in the process. Because if I don't have your blessing, living isn't worth it. I won't let go unless you bless me. And God does. We're told that God blesses him. In the Bible, a blessing is always verbal. It's always spoken. So somehow God said something or communicated something to Jacob. We don't know what he said. But there's nothing greater than to hear the blessing of God. So Jacob won in the end. He's becoming a new man. And we know that. The Bible has a a predictable way of telling us about a person's substantial transformation. Their name is changed. The name always tells you a lot about a person. And when a person's name's changed, we're encouraged to, to see that that person has changed substantially too. God says to Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you've struggled with God and with men and have overcome. He won because he clung on to God and he got the blessing he'd been looking for all his life. I've been chatting to some of you on and off throughout this series about Jacob and I was chatting to another colleague about him just this past week. And and there's something just weird about this story because of you know, Lisa mentioned it earlier. Jacob's not a good guy. He's not somebody you'd want your son to turn out like. He's a crook. So why does God, if he's holy and if he hates corruption, show so much kindness to Jacob? Why does he act weak 
and reward Jacob for a little bit of holding on with a blessing. For the answer, we need to read forward in the story to a time when God once more appeared as man. This time he didn't pretend to be weak. He became truly weak and allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. Jacob had held on to God at the risk of his life. Jesus Christ held on obediently at the cost of his life. Jacob was hoping to gain God's blessing for himself. Jesus Christ gave himself to win God's blessing for us. Turn with me, just as we close for a moment, to Galatians chapter 3, page 1170. I want to reference Tim Keller, who's helped me with this sermon today for helping me see this connection. But in Galatians 3, verse 13, Paul talks about the blessing. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abram, might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promises of the promise of the Spirit. Paul says in the first half of verse 14, Jesus Christ died so that we can be blessed. He says in the second half of verse 14 that the blessing we receive is the promise of the Spirit. Okay, so what is that? What is the promise of the Spirit? Look down to chapter 4, verse 6. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit that calls out, Abba, Father. That word, Abba. We don't talk about it as much as we used to because we've stopped singing the wee song, haven't we? Abba, Father, let me be yours and yours alone used to talk about the word more than we do now. Abba is an Aramaic diminutive for the word father. This word Abba means papa or daddy. Do you see what Paul's saying here? He says that the blessing that Jesus Christ came to give is the blessing of knowing ourselves as children loved by our Father. He's our daddy. He's the one who loves us and will never stop loving us. I'm closing for now and I'm wondering about this blessing. Do you know it? Do you know this in your heart of hearts? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your heavenly Father loves you? 
Have you heard him? Have you heard him say to you, You're my daughter? You're the one I love. You are my son. You mean the world to me. When you hear the Spirit speak these words into your heart, and to the extent that you hear them, you'll find yourself made new. You'll give up the wrestling life The life that keeps looking for blessing in all the wrong places. You'll give up the crooked life, the one that has to manipulate people and situations endlessly to try and get to the top. You'll rest. You'll finally rest knowing that you have all that you need. You will live your life saying, My Father loves me. What else is there? What more do I need? Let me pray. Father God, we easily recognize ourselves in Jacob's struggle. The the longing for blessing. The looking for blessing in all the wrong places. Lord, we pray that somewhere in our lives you'll give us a pineal a place where we meet with you, wrestle with you, and say to you, I will not let you go until you bless me. Lord, loose our hands and all the other worthless things that we cling to, that we might cling on to you. And hear your blessing. And find it the most natural thing to call you Abba, Father, Daddy, the one who loves us. Lord, make us new. Amen.